Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, with your hosts, Jill Whalen and Rick Stevens. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. This is episode 94 of the Canadians Connection Podcast, the Yannick Perot edition. And I'm pleased to be joined, as always, in studio by the founder and president of Rocket Sports Media, our editor in chief. The Yannick Perot to my Tom Pyatt, Mr. Rick Stevens. Well, How are you doing today, Rick? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing really well. I'm pumped. We got some new music to, to open the show, and, and yeah. uh, that sounds pretty good. Thanks to uh, uh, our voice, our in-house uh, voiceover artist, Amy Johnson, for looking after that for us. Absolutely. You mentioned two number 94s. Yep. Um, two pretty good ones. Uh, well, yeah. um, no, notable ones. Uh, yes. We We're, have... Given, uh, given yeah. where we are, I mean, it's it's difficult to find high-impact players, but those are those are two serviceable guys, two That's, really... Yeah. We had Yannick Perot, um, and Yannick Perot, all you need to know about uh, Yannick Perot is uh, face-offs. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> he 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 won the key fa- not only won the key faceoffs, eight straight years was the NHL's uh, faceoff champion. Won wow best faceoff percentage, and it was well over sixty percent, eight straight years. Um, and 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 three of those were with the Canadians. So uh, one of those unique kind of guys uh, that that uh, Leafs Canadians club guys who played yeah. for both the Leafs and the Canadians. Um, but, uh, a beauty there and, and Tom Pyatt, uh, Tom Pyatt may be most famous for being involved in that awful trade, uh, McDonough, Higgins, Valentenko to the, to the <laughs> Rangers for Gomez, Busto and Pyatt. Um, yes, but all, you know, Tom Pyatt, once he went off to, uh, Ottawa, always seemed to be. Um, one of those players that was a pest, one of those players yeah. that got under the skin of Canadians players. He was a favorite of Guy Boucher. He, Guy Boucher well, really right. liked Tom Pyatt. <laughs> <laughs> He's over in the Swiss League now um, and uh, playing for uh, uh, the, the Yona Lakers. And uh, his teammate is Danny Cristo. Ah, uh, isn't that, that nice? The guy who froze his foot <laughs> off in the, in the, got frostbite. Uh, oh. On a drunken binge walking outside <laughs> in, I believe it was Minnesota. But yeah. Tom Pyatt, Tom Pyatt also, um, the Canadian's connection here is, he's from my birthplace, born also ah. in Thunder Bay, Ontario. 
Thunder Bay, Ontario, Tom Pyatt. And and I'll go back to what you mentioned before with Yannick Perot being a member of the Montreal-Toronto club type thing. We had that last week, too, with Dougie Gilmore. So two straight weeks with that. Indeed. And, uh, yeah, some lovely Canadians connections that we make here, especially the one, as you mentioned, Tom Pyatt being from uh, your hometown as well. So quite a start to this week's show. We've got the new music. We've got our Canadians connections, and we're ready to go here on the Canadians Connection podcast. We should say what we are going to be talking about for the next hour plus, uh, including Max Domi, who we'll be discussing in just a few moments, uh, deciding to join the Habs in Phase 3. We've got some uh, some news regarding Philip Deneau, and we're going to be discussing Philip Deneau in multiple segments on this show, uh, including the second segment, which is going to be discussing the NHL awards and the nominees, finalists for those, um, including the Selkie Trophy, which had some people debating about the merits of Philip Deneau's candidacy for the Selkie Trophy ultimately did not get one of the finalist spots. It was Patrice Bergeron, Sean Couturier, and Ryan O'Reilly. So we're going to discuss whether or not Philip Deneau was snubbed in the second segment. Um, And ultimately, we also do have, in the third segment, a question of the week. Where does Max Domi slot into the Habs lineup? We might get to some response to that. There have been some on Twitter that we have seen. Um, We're going to get to that in uh, just a little while. And we are also going to be discussing the Seattle Kraken, who have been announced Mm. as the 32nd NHL franchise. So we'll read some responses on Facebook to uh, to the post that was made on the All Habs fan page regarding the 32nd NHL franchise being the Seattle Kraken and uh, initial reaction to just the the franchise name and logo and everything uh, Mm -hmm. as well. So. Rick, I suggest we get right into this because we've got a jam-packed show as we do every week here on the Canadians Connection podcast, and it's going to be starting with Max Domi. And we discussed last week that Max Domi and the Montreal Canadiens agreed to take seven to ten days to analyze, to look at how all these things were unfolding in the Montreal Canadiens camp with respect to the coronavirus before he joined um, if he were to join at all, um, just to see, because obviously with type 1 diabetes, might be a little bit more susceptible and you know you want to take that time to come to a educated final decision and they did that and ultimately max max has chose to uh, join the habs in phase three and he has well good for him and yeah. um, and and good for the canadians uh in leaving that decision up to max domi max domi and his his doctors um, and I think uh, Max Domi just wanted to kind of see how things would go, see the lay of the land, see um, how the the protocols in place uh, would work. And uh, we had the at the beginning of, of the week, uh, the NHL coming out and uh, revealing that there was only uh, two positive tests. Now, <laughs> where were those two positive tests? That's, yeah. that's maybe something we'll talk about in a minute. Um, and uh, they... You know, there was some discussion about uh, false positives. The NHL didn't uh, acknowledge any um, issues with tests, but um, they seem to have been able to, uh, even though they're not in a in a bubble in phase three, uh, the protocols in place uh, were enough for Max Domi to say, um, I'm here, I've made my decision, can't wait to get going, and uh, that he did this week. Um, he believes that... that uh, this, you know, he's not setting, he's not making any kind of statement about his his diabetes. He said everybody has to make their own decision, but he's made his own decision, and um, and uh, he's happy to to be in Canadians camp. 
And Montreal Canadiens, by all uh, by all accounts, are happy to have him there. Carey mm-hmm. Price talked about his laugh being very distinctive and very, right. uh, you know, you want to have that in the room. And yeah, full credit to Max Domi here. I mean, you hope that everyone, and you just hope that everyone, that once they get to Toronto and all these protocols, whatever they might be, they're followed and everyone is safe and healthy. And, and Max Domi, of course, uh, being a part of that. And it's, it's great to have him along, of course. And the Montreal Canadiens, Obviously, he means a lot to that group, and and the fact that he's just the fact that he's playing even I think speaks a lot about the character of Max Domi. Um, so for sure, uh, and absolutely, let's not forget that he's uh, he's playing for a bit of a contract here. Yeah, um, that, that, that might be that, a factor. That might be a small factor. Um, <laughs> and the other thing at play, you mentioned it uh, right off the top, is our question: uh, Where does he fit now? Where does he slot into the lineup? Because yeah. Without Max Domi, practicing without Max Domi, the line had the lines had looked pretty good. Uh, top line, you're not going to touch that with Dano, uh, Tatar, and Gallagher. Um, we had uh, Suzuki uh, centering Army and and Duran, and um, and Kakenyemi, uh, You know where he should be. He was drafted as a center. Uh, play him as a center between Byron and Lekkonen. And so for this week, uh, Domi's a bit behind, you know, the pace is a little ahead of him. So uh, he's, yeah. he's practiced on the, the fourth line and, and has kind of been there uh, the entire time between uh, Wheel and Weiss. Now, you know, will we see uh, Domi move up on and take Byron's spot on the wing? We know Domi hasn't been terribly excited about playing the wing, but uh, a line of Domi... Kakinyemi and Lekkonen would be pretty good. And we know that that uh, Domi and Lekkonen have pretty good chemistry. So um, that's our question of the week. We want you to answer it. And uh, that will be something uh, we'll get to see in Toronto uh, this Tuesday. That's already the exhibition yeah, game this up. Tuesday uh, <laughs> against the Leafs. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 really is Christmas in July, really, because if you're a hockey fan, you've been seeing that the MLB, the NBA is back. Now you're just waiting for hockey to come back and it's just around the corner. So yeah. uh, hopefully this all goes well. Of course, that's the that's the one thing you want to consider as well. But um, speaking of Toronto, so Alexander Romanoff has been a story that has been on the minds of Montreal Canadiens fans for months. And it was out a couple of weeks ago that he did agree to sign that the the, the three-year entry-level contract and it was going to be beginning now with him joining Montreal in camp the only question was where that was that going to be and uh to this point I don't know if Alexander Romanoff even knows where (laughs) it's going to be that he joins the Montreal Canadiens he has had quite the confusing journey to North America he has um so uh (laughs) the 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 visa application was prepared and uh the ticket was bought and he was on uh his way to Montreal that wasn't great news for the Canadians because if he arrived in Quebec, in Montreal, uh, he would have to quarantine 14 days. If he went to Toronto, um, just seven days. So um, the Canadians uh, said, nope, he's been rerouted to Toronto. And all right, uh, we know what's going to happen. He's going to Toronto. And the NHL said, wait a minute. Wait, 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 <laughs> wait, wait, wait. We don't have that in the protocol. No, 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 no. He has to go to Montreal. And then there were some negotiations and back and forth. And uh, then he was now um, on his, well, he's, he's landed in Toronto. And in fact, he, uh, on his uh, Instagram page, he has, uh, uh, on his Instagram story, 
he has a, a little video of um, uh, Toronto Harbor and and uh, from his <laughs> hotel room. But uh, so he's in Toronto. He's landed. But I, j- I did the whole thing was, you yeah. know, I, and and what are the logistics of that? Was was <laughs> his plane? How did that work? I'm just waiting for the NHL now to say no. He's got to go back to Montreal. Get him out of here. <laughs> it's just gonna it's just gonna go back and forth until. It's just it's it's a waste of time to even agree to have him start his entry level contract now. <laughs> but uh, moving on to some more uh, serious news this week, uh, it was a rather scary moment. Uh, Michael McNiven uh, stared right down, <laughs> right down at Shea Weber winding up for a slap shot, which has to be one of the most terrifying things that you can do as a professional hockey player. And goaltenders are meant to try to look as big as they can. I feel like Michael McNiven's natural instincts had to take over at some point to try to look as small as he could. <laughs> it didn't make a difference. He got hit in the mask with a Shea Weber slap shot, and boy, did it leave a mark. Um, we, we've we seen a, a Shea Weber uh, shot go through the net uh, yeah. in the past. <laughs> this one apparently went through the mask. That would only mean uh. the, the eye hole. Um, and... Uh, and Fortunately, it wasn't um, a full slap shot. You don't see those yeah. uh, in practice. But Shea Weber had moved in, uh, and this was from the slot. Yeah. And uh, if you go to Michael McNiven's Instagram, uh, well, maybe you don't want to because the pictures are gruesome. Yeah. Uh, they ten, are not yeah. Not for the faint of heart. <laughs> no, it's 10 stitches. Um, and uh, But again... Uh, you're the the quote master here, and uh, Michael McNiven drew on a quote from Roberto Luongo, uh, saying, "I don't fear stopping a hundred mile an hour sh- slap shot. I fear not stopping it." <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> but yeah, it's oh man, it's it, it's difficult. It's it's really difficult because, like you said, it wasn't a full slap shot. It, it managed to get through that eye hole there, and, and it did leave quite a mark. If you want to go check it out on Instagram, as Rick said, but even a even a half slap shot from Shea Weber mm. is still got to be harder than most slap shots, especially when he's a step or two in from the blue line. So, yeah, it's it was it's a difficult situation, and hopefully a, a speedy recovery for Michael McNiven's face uh, because you don't want to don't want to have that on on your face for too long. I can't imagine. Uh, so Rick, with that said, we'll move on to some other news, uh, players rejoining the main group, uh, for the Montreal Canadiens. Cause we remember Claude Julian talking about a group of players that had had to have been removed for reasons that he didn't really get into specifically. Uh, and anyways, that included Philip Deneau, Ryan Paling, Victor Metza, Kale Fleury, and Caden Primo. They've now rejoined the main group. Um, so some key cogs there rejoining the main group. That's some good news for the Montreal Canadiens. And we found out they became known as the group of five, and they, yeah. they had practiced for uh, four days, I think it was, uh, on their own, um, doing some of the same drills, but obviously uh, not at the same intensity. And, and uh, we found out the reason, finally, um, it's because those five had all had contact with Xavier Ouellette. Yeah. Xavier Ouellette, who we'll talk about in a minute, uh, had a positive test for the coronavirus. Um, now, Philip Deneau did not sound happy. Um, mm-hmm. He did not. He said, uh, uh, Xavier Roulette was ultimately not contagious, so we were isolated for nothing. Now, that, that that's not exactly true. 
because uh, I think he he was speaking to the symptoms and uh, or the lack of symptoms, and and so did Xavier Ouellette. But um, Philip Deneau was not happy to be away from his first line uh, partners. He was uh, not happy to be away from his uh, from the regular practice. And he talked about it being a mental battle. It was weighing on him not being part of that group uh, and said it was a challenge to, to, to stay positive. The, the good part of it is that Philip Deneau said, listen, I've been playing with my line mates for more than two years. So the chemistry, when we got back together, uh, developed really quickly. So um, anyway, that group is back and, uh, and all are, are practicing uh, together. Yeah, and it, it's it's good for the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, for Philip Deneau to be back with that group, especially that first line being as important as it is to the Montreal Canadiens, him being there is incredibly important. Victor Mete, we've seen over the last number of years, has consistently been asked to do more than he probably should be being asked to do, but he's often punched above his weight class in terms of playing against some of the better opponents in the NHL and, and usually being a pretty reliable player. So it's great to have those guys back. And of course, a couple of young, or a few young guys with Paling, Fleury and Primo as well. But you mentioned Xavier Ouellette, uh, along with Brett Kulak, both tested positive for the coronavirus and uh, both spoke to the media. And, and honestly, it was a lot more candid and open about their experiences with the coronavirus than I thought we were going to get. And we do have uh, some audio uh, from Xavier Ouellette. Yeah, let's play that. Sometimes there's not one point where I felt sick or anything. I don't really know if I actually, you know, uh, had it or not. But uh, the protocol's pretty strict, and they're there to, to keep it safe for everyone. So wait a little bit uh, before I can come back, which is what I did. Felt healthy, zero symptoms, so I had the chance to uh, work out at home. Uh, it, I, I was really confused. Like, like I said, I had zero symptoms or didn't feel uh, like anything was different. I don't know. I don't even know if I actually contracted it. Uh, it's this weird situation where I had one positive test and then uh, a bunch of negative tests right after that. So it's kind of hard to understand if I actually had it or maybe I had it in the past, you know, back in, in March, and then somehow it got detected in one of the test nows i don't really know how it works but i don't uh know if i actually uh contracted contracted the virus or not so it's it's hard to say i never actually thought i had it i had zero symptoms i felt really good i felt confident about behavior that i've had this this whole time i just it was just more confusing than scary to me I did do All a right. blood test for that, and uh, they did find the antibodies. So, I mean, it's it just seems like I might have had it in the past. But even even in the past, even back in March or whatever, I never never had symptoms. So I can't trace it back to when and if I had it. But, uh, yes, I did do the, the blood test for that. So um, we heard a lot there. Um, mm -hmm. Now, you should never play a drinking game with respect to the coronavirus, <laughs> but how many times did he say zero symptoms? Uh, um, quite a few. Yeah, and what bothers me a little bit there is that um, I, I would have hoped that the Canadian's medical staff would have made it clear uh, to the team that uh, zero symptoms doesn't mean anything. Uh, it really doesn't mean anything um, uh, those infected can be asymptomatic. They can be pre-symptomatic. 
Uh, and in fact, as we were talking about uh, just before the show, um, it's it's the most infectious uh, period of time. Asymptomatic is when you're most infectious. Uh, so uh, that that discourages me a little bit uh, that Xavier Willette was so confused about uh, about that, even to the point of saying, listen, I didn't have any symptoms, so I don't think I, I had the, the coronavirus. Uh, yet, uh, there was a little pause. You, you heard him say a lot. There was a little bit of a pause. And in that pause, it was Dan Robertson uh, who asked the question, the, the play-by-play rate of voice of the, on the radio, asked if he had had an antibody test. Those are those serology tests uh, that check. It's a blood test that check to see if there's antibodies in your system, which will tell you whether you've had, not whether you have the test currently, but whether you had the test. And you heard, great question. Uh, and you heard Xavier Willette say, uh, yes, I had one of those tests, and yes, I was positive, meaning proof positive that he did have the coronavirus. Uh, so all his confusion should be um, <laughs> cleared right up. Yeah. Um, now, listen, he missed nine days of training camp. Um, he was, uh, you know, um, um, he had, was in contact with that group of five. So obviously it was a concern, and the Canadians did the right thing isolating that group or separating that group from the main part. Um, now, uh, I, th- I think that the, the, the good part is that it doesn't sound, it sounds like Xavier Ouellette is um, been able to practice, and once he's been able to practice, he's felt pretty good. Um, but it, it shows how, how scary this is and how confusing it's been uh, for not only the fans, but the players too. Absolutely. And the one thing that I, I was sort of taken aback at just how candid and open these guys were when it, both he and Brett Kulak, and, and we didn't play the Brett Kulak audio, but he had it as well. And he talked about his experiences with it. Um, but to me, this just came as such a big surprise that they were speaking so openly about it when the language that's used when you're talking about positive tests is so vague, like unfit to play or unfit to practice. So, and especially when you consider last week, Esperi Kotkaniemi spoke to the media and was asked point blank about what grade of injury his his spleen injury was. Uh, he said, "I don't think I can comment on that." <laughs> so, the fact that they've been that they were this open about it that took me by surprise. I've got to be honest with that. And when we've talked about the the transparency in the Montreal Canadiens organization, specifically when when talking about injuries, how they've not been very open about where guys are in terms of their injury progression or or something like this, where you have two guys that test positive for the coronavirus, you would expect them to be uh, pretty closed off about it. But, but it was actually rather open Um, whether Mm -hmm. or not the information that you got was, was entirely accurate. We don't know, but, but even then it it was still surprising to me that they were that, that open about it. And Brett Kulak, he, uh, as you said, we, we have some audio. We'll, 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 uh, we'll save that. We'll summarize that for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, He, when he arrived at, um, at, uh, in Montreal, um, he had a, a, a COVID test, but even before he got the results, he wasn't feeling very good. He had, he had some symptoms. Um, and, uh, then he got the test back and the the first test was negative, but he, he was getting these symptoms. So he said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to be part of the group, had a test the next day and he was positive. He had a different test, a different type of test down at Montreal general, um, and tested positive. So that, that shows, 
um, that that these these things aren't aren't a hundred percent yet. Um, yeah. Now he he isolated himself. He was here on his own. They they moved him into a, a condo uh, by himself, um, and he he did uh, he kept in touch with teammates and, and and did some games. One of the things he mentioned that I thought was um, a little disappointing is that he didn't have access to team meetings. Um, you think that could have been done on uh, remotely? Um, yeah. And to keep him in the loop. Um, but now he's certainly behind the, the eight ball. But, you know, maybe that gives uh, uh, an opportunity for for some of the, the others, whether it be Fleury or, or whoever. Um, but it's it's um, he he figures that they did some contact tracing with him and he figures that uh he dates this back to June 22nd. He was skating in Calgary, skated about eight times in Calgary, and and uh, there was somebody he was skating with, didn't identify them, who tested, who also tested positive. Um, the one little kind of sad thing is that uh, he was scheduled to get married on July oh. 4th, and uh, he's had to uh, postpone his uh, his wedding a year. Uh, but he said that's 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 the least of their worries. He's just happy that. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's not had so far any lingering effects. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that is a hundred percent the, uh, the right approach to take here, even if in the moment it is a little bit, uh, a little bit sad. <laughs> um, but Rick, with that type of fluidity in the Montreal Canadians camp, this isn't the Montreal Canadians aren't the only one that are, that are facing that, uh, this is a league wide issue. And right now, You've got players that are in and out, and we don't really know. It's changing by the day. You had Brent Seabrook say he's not going to be playing. Uh, he's not going to be joining uh, the hub yesterday. And and so many other players, um, whether it be injury or whatever, have, have not been able to play and are coming back to play. And, and this, this is such a fluid situation, I think, crucially for Montreal Canadiens fans. That guy named Sidney Crosby is back. So mm. uh, that, that I think that might be the one that they're paying the most attention to. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Um, he's back. We don't know why he was gone. Of course, with any of these, uh, we don't. <laughs> we, we just we just don't know. Carter Hart left uh, in Philadelphia, and uh, you know w- there was discussions about that. Carter Hart's back now. Um, word is that he had back spasms, but you know you 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 just never know. Um, Max Pacioretty, um, he he hasn't been back. Uh, in in Vegas, um, it's it's Jonathan Taves missed some time. Corey Crawford, uh, it's 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 really a, 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 as you said a, a fluid kind of time, and and uh, obviously the Bruins would like to have David Pasternak in their lineup, but uh, uh, Honor Kasha and uh, and Pasternak both missing, and Cam Neely. Uh, my goodness, Cam Neely just trashed them uh, publicly, yeah. uh, saying that they probably made some poor decisions and uh, would have liked to have them in camp uh, in the voluntary phase in phase two. Um, so it's causing some tensions uh, between teams, all these players who are coming and going. Yeah, and that's that, that's a... That seems like a pretty typical Bruins response <laughs> to the situation, I have to say. Uh, and, and Cam Neely, I mean, that that seems like a, a really Cam Neely type move. But yeah, I mean, this is this is all going to be subject to change, especially. I mean, it'll be interesting once this gets into the bubble, into Toronto and Edmonton. You have all these teams coming to one area. Like this is going to be interesting to watch how 
all this sort of unfolds. Um, but moving on to the bubble and once this play gets underway, because there was a rather interesting article in The Athletic where they were ranking all the teams that are going to be returning and put them into tiers. And uh, the Montreal Canadiens uh, did not fare too well in, uh, in that ranking. In fact, they were ranked last in that ranking. Uh, now, that said, the, one of the subjects that was a part of this did say that, you know, Carey Price is capable of being a difference maker. He says he's not entirely sure that he'd take him over some other goalies in the playoffs, but that doesn't have anything to do really with Carey Price, he says. So there's, there's, some, there's some consideration to be made with Carey Price, but overall, yeah, it, it seems about right that the Montreal Canadiens are where they are in that in that ranking it's an interesting uh, set of rankings and um uh it they they picked a um a, a coach a, a gm and a scout from an nhl team we have to presume that that they're from the teams who are not participating yeah uh, any longer um and uh, craig Custance in in the athletic uh put them together and and did a bit of a, a poll and uh the quote that i thought was interesting um it was an NHL coach who said, um, you know, things are, are, are up in the air and we don't know how uh, they're going to react. If, if there's any time where sheer luck is going to play into winning a cup, it's this year. Uh, he said, uh, however, this is a 22 or 23 team tournament. Uh, and that excludes the Montreal Canadiens, which, <laughs> which uh, the, the inference was there, um, which yeah. which I thought was kind of, uh, <laughs> you, you know, if you're playing the underdog role, if you're if you're pumping the underdog role, boy, uh, the Athletic sure had an article for you. <laughs> bulletin board material for Claude Julien. Put that up on the bulletin board. The guys will get uh, pretty fired up about that. But Claude Julien actually fared a little bit better in a ranking of coaches on NHL.com. So they're the top 16 coaches in this return to play. And they did it. They averaged it out. And Claude Julien finished 13th in that ranking. Um, Some had him as high as five. Other another one had him uh, up at eight. So it it averaged out because some didn't have him on there at all. all. (laughs) (laughs) But he finished at 13th. So a a good little spot there for Claude Julien. (laughs) Yeah, thirteen out of sixteen for the uh, for the teams involved in the qualifying rounds. Uh, so uh, that that excludes the the uh, the top eight. Um, so may have been pushed down uh, a little bit further. Um, again, um, if you want Claude Julien to put up his own bulletin board material, uh, <laughs> that would be interesting. Um, there's another bit of, of uh, help to the underdog role, and uh, Vegas, uh, the Vegas Insider, put out the uh, odds uh, for winning the Stanley Cup. The Canadians currently stand at 70 to 1, and that's mm. uh, second worst uh, only to the Chicago Blackhawks, which are 75 to 1. See, now what I want is the Montreal Canadiens dressing room to have the athletic thing put up on their bulletin board. And then Claude Julien walks into a separate room, which is his office. And it's the NHL one where he's like, <laughs> I'm better than those guys. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's it seems like it'll be a long shot for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, and those rankings, I think, uh, say a lot of, of what you uh, need to know. Um, so speaking of the return to play, the qualification round, um, We'll return to a segment that we brought up last week, which is they said what? 
And uh, <laughs> we have Carrie Price this week, who I think provided us with one of the best Carrie Price quotes we've ever gotten. I think that this is by far one of his best. And, and he dropped some gems on occasion. So, you know, you're going to want to put that. That's 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 saying something. Uh, so specifically, this question was about how to slow down Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin on the power play. That's right. And uh, before that, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about uh, Carey Price stealing this and, and the, yeah. the Penguins being afraid and changing the the uh, the uh, format uh, in order to, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, guard against uh, a hot Carey Price. And so he talked about only being able to, to do so much uh, and then went into, uh, as you said, uh, how, to, uh, how to stop the Penguins. I just go out there and play my game, not try and do too much. Um, at the end of the day, we're going we're gonna to win and lose as a team. And um, you know, it's always been like that. I can, I can you know, sway the odds with, with obviously outstanding play. But at the end of the day, we're all going to need to play over our heads to win. What do you think will be uh, the key to your team to, to stop Crosby and Malkin and, and have an effective PK in this play-in? Well, I mean, we could ask them nicely to stay at the hotel for the games. <laughs> <laughs> Or we can work as a, as a, as a group and uh, you know, take their time and space away. It's, it's kind of a, a common recipe for shutting any, uh, any power play down is applying pressure at the right times and you know, making quality saves and you know, cutting out uh, timely kills. <laughs> so asking them nicely to stay at the hotel for the games, I think that is an all-timer from Carey <laughs> Price. <laughs> But in addition to Carey Price, because we, we listen, we've, we've talked about a lot, uh, a lot about Carey Price uh, on this podcast, and we know how important he is to the success of the Montreal Canadiens. But another Montreal Canadiens goaltender, Uh, looks good in more ways than one because you have <laughs> Charlie Lindgren who's been garnering praise for his play and you know scrimmages and 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 camp um, but also uh, he seems to be uh, confident in multiple areas of his life <laughs> that's true um, Charlie Lindgren looks like he's come in uh, on a mission and um, it's after every practice or scrimmage, Uh, there's someone who tweets, did you see that save by Charlie Lindgren? And it's been uh, particularly noticeable from the guys who, um, on, on the English side, it's Eric Ingalls, and on the French side, Renaud Lavoie. Those are the guys who uh, usually get the, the leaks, the trial balloons, the, the, the kinds of things from the, that the Canadians want you to know. And so that's why it's particularly kind of interesting. And René Lavoie had uh, put an article. He, first, he, he put a poll out and said uh, to Canadians fans, who would you choose? Would you choose um, Caden Primo or, or Charlie Lindgren? Um, poor Michael McNiven didn't get in there, but, um, uh, it was, it was 80%, uh, chose, uh, Primo and, uh, not, not a surprise. I mean, uh, fans are excited to see him. Uh, but, uh, Marina Lavoie said, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of surprised I'm saying this, but, uh, Charlie Lindgren has been outstanding, uh, in camp. And uh, he's made spectacular saves in just about every practice or the scrimmages. Um, now, 
when asked, when uh, uh, Claude Julien was asked, um, he said, uh, our four goalies have impressed us each in their own way. Uh, do we go with experience? And he's talking about uh, Lindgren. Or do we go with youth, Primo? We have a good idea already of what we want to do, but we haven't made a final decision, uh, and I'll, be wait, I'll wait uh, for making my choice. Charlie Lindgren has come in with a, a, an attitude, positive attitude, with confidence, and, um, and as you said, uh, that extends uh, also to not only his play, but uh, his appearance. Well, when the season got suspended back in March, um, you know, you always knew that uh, there was a you know, decent chance the, the season would resume. So, you know, for myself personally, I, I never tried to really take my foot off the gas. And I tried to um, stay in, you know, as best shape as I can. And, um, and now it's, yeah, it, it feels different compared to training camps that we have in September just because um, we're all, you know, getting ready to fight for the Stanley Cup. Okay, and, and finally, I have to ask you about your mustache. Uh, is it something that you wish to keep? Because you, you're really channeling, like, the, the goalies from 1982 uh, with that mustache. Is it something you want to keep? Um, yeah, I mean, I started growing it in probably February or March and really focusing on it, and, you know, I feel like I look pretty good with it, so... Um, I'm definitely going to keep it for the time being, and um, it's just something I, I have some confidence with. <laughs> I, I think that everyone in this, uh, all, every every guy in this quarantine has experimented with with different looks with the <laughs> facial hair. So, I mean, I, I expect nothing less from Charlie Lindgren to come back with something uh, something like that uh, marvelous mustache. His mar- <laughs> his mustache looks great. Uh, really yeah. does, and he's obviously very proud of it. Yeah. With it has every right to be, uh, and and I think that this is a you know a, a great time for Charlie Lindgren to try to earn his keep as an NHL goaltender, and I think that we've talked about that enough on this show that he should be the backup to Carey Price. And now that you have guys like Renault Lavoie and Eric Engels talking about it, maybe it'll maybe it'll all come to fruition. Um, moving on to some really important news in the NHL, which was that the Seattle Kraken have been announced as the 32nd NHL franchise. And just like any other time where a team, you know, goes through a rebrand or in in this case is an expansion team, you get a lot of debate on social media about whether or not they like the logo, whether or not they like the name or the jerseys or whatever it is. Uh, And this is no different. Um, (laughs) And we remember back to the Vegas Golden Knights, there was a lot of the same conversation happening then that there have been uh, with the Seattle Kraken. Uh, Ultimately, though, I love I love the logo. I love the look. And I think that that name uh, is probably the best thing they could have gone with in the end. What, What were your thoughts on it? Well, there is, is certainly mixed, uh, mixed results, and they're, they're strong in either direction <laughs> from what <Yeah>. I noticed. <laughs> uh, Twitter, for the most part, is, has been supportive, but uh, if you look around uh, articles and, and, uh, and some of the media, it, it, the, the uh, criticism has been brutal. For, from my part, um, I, 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 I don't like... Uh, something that's built on a gimmick and and it's an obvious gimmick release the kraken uh, yeah <laughs> i just ask what's going to happen once that's played out once once that's done once they've done that a few times once people are tired of it then then what happens um you know there's been there's been difficulties with uh, uh, uh when you put together just as when you put together uh, uh, your uh, a kid's name 
Um, and a, a child's name, you, you, you do the first and last name and middle names and you do all the, you know, all the combinations and permutations of, of uh, how, um, um, you know, classmates can turn it inside out and, and make it into yeah. to mocking. And what we're seeing already, <laughs> I, I, I think that, that um, Seattle has made this way too easy for the critics. We see yeah. uh, the players are a bunch of crackheads. We see they play at the crack house, uh, got crack question mark. It's, it's, um, it, it's tough. Um, yeah. Teal, um, I've never been a fan of teal. Uh, mm. For a for a hockey jersey, um, really, and not uh, even the vintage San Jose Sharks. No, 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 no. And no, okay. No. And <laughs> um, the the other part of it is the name's not pluralized, so uh, that gets a that gets a strike from me uh, mm-hmm. right away. Now, you know this this uh, they're going with a cryptid, uh, uh, an animal that's not proven yet to exist, a, a mythical animal, the kraken. There's of course, uh, there's the uh, the Lake Erie monsters, which go back to the the Lowell Loch Ness monsters, uh, and 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 <laughs> and that. Uh, but it's I don't know. Um, l- listen, mer- merchandise sales have been strong. Um, I I think um, uh, part of this is that um, you know it took an awful long time for them to get to this point. My goodness, yeah. it took a long time to come out. Um, but uh, you know there are are certainly um, um, competing, uh, yeah, and 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 contradictory kind of uh, messages. We have one from. Um, uh, sorry, go ahead. You, you jump no. in there. Well, I I think a lot of this is going to come down to in the end how they are received in Seattle and the fan base and how they sort of gravitate towards the name because. I think that that will make the difference in the end. If they embrace this, and I know that it is pretty easy to come up with some sort of derogatory names about <laughs> Kraken, but if they embrace it the way that they are supposed to, then I don't think that, like, because what, what is a golden knight? What exactly is a golden knight? I mean, it, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's a bit different, but I mean, if they embrace this, if Seattle embraces this, I think that will make a difference in, in how this is all perceived. But yeah, you could go ahead with the audio though. <laughs> One of the things that um, uh, Gary Bettman was counting on was uh, an exposure to new fans in the U.S. Yeah. And reports uh, from uh, from the U.S. are not good. Um, the hockey is not on the radar uh, in, the, uh, in the States for, for sports programs because, as we're going to be talking about baseball and, and the NBA and whatnot, but... Um, it hockey and the particularly the Seattle Kraken got um, a mention on uh, pardon the interruption uh, the other day. Levon, are you backing the Kraken? The uniform looks kind of cool, but when I first heard this this morning, when Uber producer Matt Kelleher called and said, "Oh, we got a good story. It's about the new Seattle nickname for the NHL team, Kraken," my instant thought was, "This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard." And I started just running through all the nicknames of all the teams in the NHL, NBA, uh, uh, Major League Baseball, and NFL. And I, it's like, this is the worst. This is the worst one I have ever heard, Tony. I mean, I don't understand. I, look, you can get something that is central to Pacific Northwest, right, to the Pacific Northwest. Why don't you tell people sort of the origin or the setting, if you will, for the Kraken? Well, you're stealing my ideas here because these are my notes, and I wrote, and I'm quoting myself, 
Kraken is the worst name I have ever <laughs> the worst, heard. It's the worst. The worst. I think it stinks. The name stinks, okay? You have a chance. You're not joining the league for another year. Marketing you have people. a chance to get rid of this stupid nickname. Oh, my God. <laughs> no question there. <laughs> yeah. I'm, well, first of all, back in the Kraken from Tony Kornheiser, that is that is an all-timer. I love that. But, man, oh, man, yeah, they, they're not a fan of that name. And I think that's basically you're either very hot or cold on it. You're right. Not, there's no real in-between. That's right. Um, but, anyways, it's 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 interesting anyways. But I do, I will say, I, I love the logo. The logo, to me, I, agree I, with I love you it. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, moving on. To the impact of the coronavirus, the ongoing situation that has been uh, at the center of all of the major league sports. And one story that we talked about last week was the Toronto Blue Jays thinking that they might be playing baseball in Toronto. And it seemed as though the provincial government was uh, thought that it was a done deal that they would be playing. They just needed federal government to approve. And that's where the, approve, the approval did not come uh, from the federal government. And now... Uh, it looked for a while like the Blue Jays would be playing in Pittsburgh. Uh, that did not come to pass. There was some talk about them playing in Oriole Park in Maryland. That did not come to pass. And now they have found a home in Buffalo. And really, I think, for me, this is all emblematic. The Blue Jays are emblematic of the MLB's real lack of a plan. And listen, I'm not here to say that the NBA and the NHL have come up with these perfect plans. We don't know. The early returns in the NBA are good in that bubble in Orlando, but it's still a long way to go. We don't know how effective it's going to be. But the MLB are essentially just doing what they always do. They're traveling city to city, state to state, and initially we're, we're going to travel country to country if that got approved last week. It didn't, so that's that's some at least some good news, I guess. But regardless, they are just from people that are following the situation closely. The testing is not where it should be. You had a Juan Soto of the Washington Nationals test positive, And then the Nationals played a game against the New York Yankees. Uh, who knows if Juan Soto was exposed to his teammates and that that could have uh, created a pretty dangerous situation for all involved. But Anyways, it, it, to me, the Blue Jays, they found a home in Buffalo, which is good. Uh, they're young players, familiar with playing in Buffalo at the very least. Uh, some of the older players, perhaps more used to major league facilities, won't be uh, as happy about it. But at least they found somewhere to play their home games at the very least. So that is some positive news, even though I, I don't see that this MLB plan is going to be... Um, is, is going to be very good in the long run. Uh, I just I don't think that's going to be the case. Yeah, some work um, to, de- to be done at yeah. uh, uh, Salen Field there. The lighting has to yeah. be brought up to standards. But, you know, uh, why not? The, it, the, the Blue Jays are spending money on their own facility. If they had have gone to uh, Baltimore, they would have uh, had to uh, uh, build a clubhouse, a, a yep. second clubhouse there. Uh, why not spend the money in, in your own uh, backyard and and uh, there there wasn't a, a lot of options unless they were sharing a facility. It was uh, TD Ameritrade Park in in Omaha, uh, but that's kind of out of the way for for a lot of uh, uh, places. There was um, Ranger Stadium in in Arlington, um, yeah. But but that's in a in a hot spot. So um, I I think this is is the best uh, decision. Yeah. Of, of the two, I mean, really the Jays, at, at, within their own sort of organization, had two options, Buffalo and Dunedin. And Buffalo is, is preferable to Dunedin at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
uh, in addition to that, we do have some CFL news, which is nice because remember back to at the beginning of all of this, the CFL announced that they would have to postpone their season and the sort of financial toll that that might take on the CFL. They didn't they didn't quite know what the future of the CFL was going to be. Uh, but now uh, the, they have chosen Winnipeg as a CFL hub city. Uh, it was chosen over bids from Saskatchewan and Calgary. Um, there's still a lot of work to be done. They need a new CBA, which seems to be the, <laughs> the cost of doing business with these return to plays. Uh, and uh, so, but they are hoping for a shortened season starting in September. And uh, for fans of Canadian football, and I mean, I'm, I'm somebody that follows it a little bit from afar, but in previous years have followed it very closely. Uh, it's great that those guys will be able to get back on the field potentially uh, in Winnipeg and, and the CFL for you know, as, as much as it does mean to the country, I mean, financially, the, the impact of them not having a season could have been dire. And if they can do this and recover some of that lost money, uh, that, that that's really good news. So with that said, Rick, we will take a quick break here on the first uh, a first break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. Excuse me. When we come back, we're going to be discussing Philip Deneau's status as a as a finalist would does he deserve to be a finalist for the selkie trophy we're going to take a look at that and much more stay with us here on the canadians connection podcast on rocket sports radio rocket sports media is currently recruiting talented motivated and committed people to join our team if you're a student wishing to gain experience a young professional interested in broadening your credentials an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And we're back here on the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Joe Whalen. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Whalen19. And with me in studio is our president and founder, Rick Stevens. You can follow him at All Habs on Twitter. Uh, and you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, so, Rick, as we said, we're going to be discussing the NHL Awards finalists uh, here in this segment. Uh, specifically, we'll be talking about the Selkie Trophy. But before we get to that, I mean, we do have the other finalists for the other awards. 
Um, I think the one that to me um, is, is most interesting, and you have the Bill Masterton Trophy, which as we know, you know, touched on the dedication to hockey. Um, and I mean, you look at the three nominees for that, Stephen Johns, Oscar Lindblom, and Bobby Ryan, and the three stories that you have emerging out of that, I mean, just just really, really deserving guys to be in that conversation. Stephen John's been dealing with headaches, missed all of last year, uh, pro- post-traumatic uh, headaches, and, and, and they've been ongoing, but he's, he's returned this year, and, and that's some fantastic news. We know the story of Oscar Lindblom, and uh, it would be quite surprising, I think, if, if he did not win that, not to take anything away from the journeys of the other two men involved in this. Bobby Ryan, um, that has that hit me really hard in February yeah. to see that that night that he had in Ottawa. That was that was phenomenal. Uh, but Oscar Lindblom, we know the story, um, and he signed a, a new contract extension this week as well. So. Uh, fantastic news there. Yeah, yeah. absolutely incredible. Um, Bobby Ryan's story is probably a little bit more well-known, uh, but Oscar yeah. Lindblom uh, was uh, career-threatening, maybe even life-threatening mm-hmm. uh, uh, form of cancer, and uh, he's he recently finished his last treatment, as you said, signed a new contract, and is going to be in Toronto, as uh, Cliff Fletcher announced, uh, their group of, of 31 players. Yeah, just just phenomenal, and it just tra- it transcends sports. This is a story that, um, yeah, as you said, it could have been life threatening, um, and and when that is the case, I mean, uh, as deserving as the other two gentlemen in this in this award are for for uh, recognition, uh, it's just it's hard to ignore what Oscar Lindblom has been through this year, and uh, certainly deserving uh, in that sense. But but you've had your eye on the Vesna Trophy as well. Uh, which which does have a, a rather interesting group of you have three goaltenders who are very deserving, but perhaps I think we're, we might be on the same page with with this one. Yeah, probably prior to the season, you might have had uh, Andre Vasilevsky up uh, near the top. Um, didn't have a great start, but but you know uh, finished well. Um, uh, both Tampa and the and the Bruins are probably. Uh, have the best odds of competing for the the Stanley Cup. Tuka Rask uh, is in the mix there, but uh, the guy for me is Connor Hellebuck, uh, the third nominee from uh, the Winnipeg Jets, uh, mainly uh, because of of what he had to work with. Um, the defense was was decimated last off season, and uh, and if not for for Hellebuck, uh, the Jets may not have been uh, part of the playoff picture. And I mean, you look at what happened. I mean, you part ways with Tyler Myers and Jacob Truba and you're thinking, OK, well, we'll still have Dustin Bufflin back there. And then you don't have Dustin Bufflin back <laughs> there and you have a lot of young, inexperienced guys. And, and, and Josh Morrissey, who, you know, has been around but isn't necessarily, a, you know, a, a veteran by any sense of the word. Uh, but Connor Hallibuck managed to keep the Jets afloat. And, and I think that you've got to look at that. I think that's the main thing you have to look for, uh, to look for when you're talking about the Vesna Trophy is what these guys have in front of them. And Tuka Rask and Andre Vasilevsky, with all due respect, they are tremendous. But they have quite a lot of, of high, especially Vasilevsky, with that defensive core in Tampa Bay. They've got, he's got, they've got some help. Tucker Pullman is not uh, 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 Victor Hedman. <laughs> you know, no. It's, it doesn't work. <laughs> not <way>. yet. <laughs> not yet, anyways. I'm waiting for that to happen. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, Rick, the main one that has drawn a lot of conversation, and it does concern the Montreal Canadiens, is the Selkie Trophy. And, of course, recognizing the best defensive forward in the league, 
um, and the nominees for that award. I feel like I'm, I'm announcing the Oscars or something mm. like that. Uh, <laughs> the nominees for the Selkie Trophy, Patrice Bergeron, Sean Couturier, and Ryan O'Reilly, the usual suspects, the guys that you would expect to be in that conversation, uh, specifically Patrice Bergeron. But there was a case made uh, by Mike Kelly uh, for Philip Deneau, and we've discussed Philip Deneau on this podcast before, and the viewpoint of him being a top shutdown centerman in this league. Uh, Rick, I'll, I'll let you bat lead off because Mike Kelly did provide the numbers and he's ranked, he ranks 25th and higher in, in a lot of major categories. But what do you think of his status? Do you view him as a finalist for the Selkie Trophy? Do you think that that is a fair assessment of Philip Deneau? Well, I'm going to let one of the um, um, Montreal, actually two um, uh, pieces of information from the Montreal, two articles from the Montreal Beat Writers. Um, I'll, I'll uh, introduce those in a minute. Uh, you mentioned Mike Kelly. My, my issue with Mike Kelly's, uh, and, and Mike Kelly, um, he, he loves to present uh, data. Um, unfortunately for me, much of the data isn't, isn't that relevant. Um, he has goals for at 24th. Well, is, is that qualify anything? And his goals for, um, you know, uh, a criteria for this defensive uh, forward uh, uh, award, at the very least, uh, you know, an award that, that should be um, handed to a, a, a two-way player. Uh, he's got expected goals for, is that a category? Um, he's got the strength of, of the opponent at 17. Well, um, that you might expect. Philip Deneau plays against all the best players. He's on the top line. Um, he's got in there uh, the time on ice uh, for the penalty kill. Well, time on ice doesn't mean much when the penalty kill is 19th in the <laughs> league. Um, so the, 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 the positives are the puck battle wins second, block passes fifth, stick checks um, all of those are, are very positive. Uh, but is that enough uh, to unseat um, Patrice Bergeron? Uh, this is his record ninth nomination for the Selkies. Won it four times. Uh, Bob Ganey also won it four times. Um, O'Reilly, uh, he, he leads in, in uh, some advanced, uh, very dominant in some advanced stats uh, uh, calculations uh, about, about uh, limiting uh, offense, limiting shots, limiting uh, good scoring chances. Uh, and Sean Couturier, uh, who's just a, a smart defensive uh, forward who's uh, really developed uh, and is uh, a key player for uh, the, the success of the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, I, 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 maybe we'll get, uh, I'll, I'll let you jump in, um, and, uh, and, and offer a, a dissenting, uh, opinion, and then we can get to these, uh, these cases put forward by the, the Montreal beat writers. Yeah. So for me, I don't really have a hard opinion one way or the other on this. And that's weird for me. I'm usually pretty one way or the other, but for me, I would be fine if he was a finalist, but I'm also fine that he's not a finalist because listen, the data that's presented and you pointed out the ones that I think are most interesting and, and speak the most about his abilities as Philip Deneau's abilities as a defensive centerman, the takeaways, the block passes, the, the stick checks, the, the poke checks, whatever you like to call them. Yeah. You know what? Those are really impressive numbers. And I think given the context of Philip Deneau, given that he is a guy that what we discuss 
all the time as being somebody that is being asked to do more than he should be being asked to do, quite frankly. He should not be a guy that is playing big minutes against the best on the other team, but he is. And more often than not, he's pretty consistent. There's times where we've talked about the fact that, you know, the, the penalty kill, the play early in the year, the penalty kill was not that great. And, and he was a part of that. And he was somebody that deserved criticism for that. But more often than not, given the fact that the Montreal Canadiens are so dependent on that first line and Philip Deneau playing those big minutes, I can understand where it's coming from, where this argument is coming from. Ray Ferraro, I think he said he had him third on his on, as, a, as a finalist uh, ranked that high at, at number three. But ultimately what this comes down to, I think, is the word that you said, and it's an important point, and it is success. And for me... I understand that these are supposed to recognize the best of the best. And sometimes, you know what, these, these, these guys don't always have to play on the best teams. But for me, the Selkie Trophy is, and it's not unlike any other award where you, you, you sort of need to see guys in situations like you see Patrice Bergeron, Sean Couturier, and Ryan O'Reilly late in games, late in close games, one goal, two goal games, them having the ability to make that big defensive play at the right time. Because it's a lot like goaltending where you talk about, it's not how many saves you make, it's when you make them. And for Philip Deneau, you can track the stick checks and the puck battles and all of that from a 60-minute game. At the end of the day, it's not translating to wins, and it's not being out there for the last two minutes making a big defensive play against, you know, and listen, that's not to say that he hasn't made big defensive plays, but you haven't done it as much as Patrice Bergeron, as Sean Couturier, as Ryan O'Reilly. And at the end of the day, the fact that those three guys play for teams that are considerably better, and, and obviously that that's not just Philip Deneau's fault. There's a lot of blame to go around for that. But, you know, the fact that those guys play for those teams that are up there, that are that are really good teams, that makes a difference. And I think that the perception of a defensive forward is often... You, you kind of change and you're kind of given a little bit more credit when you're out there at the end of a tight game, closing out a victory. And Philip Deneau just hasn't done that. So for me, I mean, it, he's not in the same class. He's and no disrespect intended to Philip Deneau, but I don't think it's, it's outlandish to say that he's not in the same category of player as Patrice Bergeron, as Sean Couturier, and as Ryan O'Reilly. And on that uh, subject of success, uh, there was a tweet that we received earlier in the week uh, that said, uh, let me quote it here, Deneau would have been a Selkie nominee if the Habs were a more competitive team. Now, um, that, that speaks to that, that uh, success aspect. For me, I would turn that completely around, and I would say the Canadians would have been a more competitive team if Deneau played more like a Selkie finalist. And um, here I'm, I'm going to... Um, the, the, one of the Montreal beat writers, um, Marc-Antoine Gadin, uh, for The Athletic, wrote a very impassioned uh, kind of uh, support uh, article supporting uh, the uh, nomination of Philip Deneau. And uh, a couple of weeks ago in the Athletic, and uh, and and I, I mean he he presented a lot of uh, of data, um, and he acknowledged that Couturier were you know uh, was better than in some, and and uh, O'Reilly better, but that that Deneau was always in the conversation of the the numbers that he presented, uh, and he said, listen, it's not my Montreal bias. 
But then I compared that to an article written um, uh, in February, and it actually was by Marc Antoine Guadin, the same guy, who argued mm. the complete opposite. His conclusion was um, Deneau ha- is, is on track to, to record his highest offensive totals ever. Um, his shot attempts uh, are up. Um, and he said, but I brought him down in my, my midseason rankings because defensively, and this is a quote, he doesn't seem to have quite the same level in his defensive game as he did last year. There's coverage errors. There's difficulty getting the puck out of the zone. He has a lot of trouble on uh, the penalty kill. And for me, Deneau is not the candidate for the Selkie Trophy that we saw last year. Uh, so he argued strongly against uh, Deneau being a, a, a Selkie candidate. Um, and then as it came close to the award, uh, switched up. Uh, one of the things is uh, the Canadians, and we talked about the 19th rank penalty kill. Um, uh, Philip Deneau, um, um, it was noted in this Godin article that s- several of the opponent's goals on their power play occurred falling lost faceoffs. And to be a good face, uh, a good penalty killer, a good center, uh, back to uh, what we were talking about right off the top of the show with number 94, yep. you have to win faceoffs. And Deneau's been serviceable at 54% uh, in general, but on the penalty kill, his, uh, his uh, uh, success rate drops to 45%. And that's huge when you don't start with the. Um, Uh, with the puck uh, on the penalty kill and add that to the other things that were mentioned. Uh, He's been weak on hunting pucks. He's had difficulty winning battles, difficulty clearing. Uh, That's not what you typically find with a Selkie uh, award winner uh, or nominee who uh, leads his, his penalty kill. Yeah. And, And this is, this is where I think, as I said, when you talk about, a Selkie trophy finalist. You talk about anybody that's up for an award. These aren't consolation prizes. These are supposed to recognize the best of the best. So ultimately, it comes down to when is Philip Deneau being this defensive forward, this defensive-minded forward? Is he doing it you know, all through the, the, the game or is he doing it late in games? When is it happening? And I think that that might be one thing that sets those other three guys apart. And the fact that you have Patrice Bergeron, who is... <laughs> regarded as being one of the best face-off men. I mean, obviously, maybe not maybe not Yannick Perot territory, but might be encroaching on that territory a little bit. But you have three guys that just do all of those things so well. It's hard to think that one of those three guys would be moved out of where they are and have Philip Deneau replace him, who does have his moments, but the inconsistencies, I think, over the course of this season... And maybe the focus on being a more offensive-minded player, as you said, as you noted, and and Gaudin noted as well, might have might have hurt his his case. Mm-hmm. So, Rick, that's going to be a, a I guess a debate that rages on as we sure. get closer to uh, finding out who exactly the Selkie Trophy winner and all of these uh, uh, award winners are. Uh, I know that there's some uh, pretty uh, heated debate about the Calder as well, so we'll have to wait and see how all these ones unfold. Uh, But, Rick, I guess we'll take another break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. Up next, we'll we'll see some of the replies to the Seattle Kraken team name that we were going to get to on Facebook. 
But we also have a quiz, I understand, that we're going to be getting to in the first part of segment three. So we're going to get we're going to come back with that. Stay with us here at the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked-out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends. Show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And welcome back to episode 94 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. And you follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. So, Rick, I understand that we have a quiz that we will be getting to to start off this segment. Uh, It might be of note. I mean, we've we've been asking this. Where does Max Domi slot into the Habs lineup question of the week? John Liu, a short while ago, tweeted that, well, he's not on the fourth line. So I think that's the important information to take away from that. <laughs> well, it's, uh, yeah, it was uh, Claude Julien being quite strident, saying, um, yes, he's playing on the, on the with fourth line line mates, but I don't consider that a fourth line. I consider it a good line. Uh, ah. so, so just want, <laughs> wanted to reinforce that. <laughs> uh, but with Weiss and Wheels, so take yeah. that for what it's worth. I'm never going to ask a coach what uh, to number his lines. No. I, I learned that lesson pretty early on. <laughs> but Rick, uh, I understand that there is a quiz that you have formulated here for me that we're going to be doing this. I've not seen the question. I've seen a question that will be similar to the question that you have, but that's all that I've been given. Yeah, this isn't um, before that. I'm going to just relate it to our last segment in uh, yeah. in um, um, uh, the Selkie conversation. We haven't had a bad tweet. We haven't played bla- we the haven't, bad. We have no. Tweet. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to 
going to read uh, what, what might be considered a bad tweet. Listen up. It's time for some bad tweets on the Canadians Connection. So this is about the uh, the Selkie nominations, and this person, I, I won't embarrass them. I, I won't read the, the Twitter handle. Uh, this is a person who has argued in the past very stridently against analytics um, in, uh, and, and uh, believes in the eye test only. Uh, says, I have no problem if the professional uh, writers who vote on this award uh, don't use analytics for their votes, but at the very least, shouldn't the best defensive forward be your top penalty killer? So we were just talking about the penalty kill. Yeah. Um, and so he lists uh, in order... Uh, Deneau, O'Reilly, Couturier, and Bergeron, and and then uses a t- average time on ice per game uh, for the penalty kill. Deneau at two thirty one, O'Reilly at two oh eight, Couturier at two oh two, and Bergeron at one forty three. Um, participation in the the, the penalty kill, <laughs> you know, it's not the participation award. It's not the number of hours, the number of minutes you put in. It's the success. Yeah. Uh, so that, yeah, I think that would qualify as uh, our I, bad tweet of the week. I, I think so. And it also doesn't consider that those other three guys are also relied upon to produce offense. Specifically, mm-hmm. Patrice Bergeron is at a minute 43. That might be why he's not getting uh, over two minutes uh, a game in terms of. But regardless, anyways. So the uh, quiz, this quiz, <laughs> the quiz, this quiz is completely unfair. It's completely mm-hmm. unfair to you because okay. here it puts a lot of pressure on you on yeah. the air. Uh, you've never seen the question. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you, and, and we're going to have to rely on your, your knowledge um, and your expertise in all sports because this, this relates mm. to all four of the major league sports teams. Is that enough of a build-up for it? Uh, yeah, I think that's enough of a build-up. That's enough. That's enough. <laughs> so this relates to uh, our earlier conversation about the Seattle Kraken, and one of my criticisms was that it's not pluralized. So my question ah. to you is: in the major four, in the four major sports leagues, which mm-hmm. teams do not end in the letter S? S? Okay. Okay. I, I play this game a little a little bit. Like, I've done this before, trying to name the teams. And I always start with one, which is the Miami Heat. That one I know. That one is right on the, the right on the dome. Okay, number one. Of the NBA, um, Miami Heat. Yeah, Good. of the NBA, Miami Heat. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche, another one. Nicely done. And, and we'll give you the Kraken, so you got three already. Yeah, the Kraken, so yeah, I have we'll three. There we go. <laughs> uh, okay, let me see if I can name any NHL ones. We'll stick with that for a second. Um, Minnesota Wild. Minnesota Wild. There we go. There's so I have, many well, other good options for Minnesota, yeah. and, and unfortunately they took the Wild. But okay. I had to, I mean, Minnesota, Colorado, that's kind of back-to-back there. Mm-hmm. So it's two two rivals. Uh Okay, one more in no, the NHL, no. if, if, if you're sticking in the NHL. If we'll, I'm sticking with the NHL? There's one more. Uh, Pitts, no, not Pittsburgh. Stanley Cup Tamp- favorite. Tamp- Tampa Bay. Tampa, Tampa Bay. Bay Lightning. Beautiful. There we go. Nicely All done. All right. Okay. I've already got the Miami Heat in the NBA. Yeah. Um, I now, think there's, there's three others, just as a clue, in the NBA. There's three others. Okay, uh, the Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz, beautifully is done. Is one. Uh huh. The Oklahoma City Thunder. 
Great. One I more. Can't think on the last one. Orlando. Oh, Orlando. Orlando I always forget Magic. about Orlando. That's the that's where the bubble is. I should have remembered that. <laughs> uh Okay, so I will say I probably have a snowball's chance in hell at getting any NFL teams. So, <laughs> you know, is there any NFL teams? You know, and this is this is one of the reasons I know I know that's not your 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 strong suit. And uh, but there's no NFL teams. There's no NFL teams. None, really, none. They're all okay. pluralized. They all end in S, which I give uh, so kudos to. The only ones in the MLB that are coming to mind are. Red Sox and White Sox, but they end in X, which has the similar sound, so right. it doesn't really you're, you're <laughs> it doesn't really strike right. me as one. I think I think we we limit the list at eight. Uh, yeah, t- technically you can go to ten with uh, the Red Sox and White Sox, but it's the sound. It's the sound. You're yeah, absolutely it's the same right. sound. So yeah. it's a semantical uh, semantic discussion. I I I, I would uh, Red Sox and White Sox get a pass. So yeah. um, there we are. We have all eight. Four in the NBA, four in the NHL. Uh, it was it was completely that, unfair to put you on the spot, <laughs> but you did you did excellently. Well, I think it saved me that I play this game often when I'm bored, where I just do random sports things like that, and I always I always start with the Miami Heat, and it never it never leads me wrong once I get that <laughs> first one. It's <laughs> but yes, I think. Uh, that's yeah I, I i can understand that the the desire for the names to be pluralized so yeah seattle kraken new not pluralized team name that's right <laughs> so thanks Rick, for playing uh i appreciate uh we should we should do more i remember we did one of these quizzes with like the top five in every category for the montreal canadians we should bring this back more often all this right is, this is fun to do maybe one time i'll quiz you on something sure and we'll we'll work <laughs> maybe that'll be something we do sometime we'll even it up you will even it up, yeah. Uh, so, Rick, uh, with all of that said, is there anything you'd like to get to before we sign off for another week here on the Canadians Connection podcast? We're just going to... Uh, we we said that we would uh, quickly uh, look at the reaction uh, right. on, yes. on uh, Facebook. Um, we put out uh, that uh, the NHL's 32nd franchise revealed their team name, logo, and sweater design. What do you think of the Seattle Kraken and um, tens of thousands of, of engagements and um, almost 100 responses so far. Uh, and um, much of this, I, I mean, again, we talked about being on, on one side or the other. Um, Steve Thorne says, great looking design. Uh, Jesse Wotus says, uh, it's going to be uh, a new favorite team uh, for, for many Montreal fans. Uh, Marcus Boehm says, Kraken, I love the name, definitely out of the ordinary. Uh, on the other side, we have Patrick Leahy that said, pretty sure they didn't anticipate t- having to deal with the crack house, as the arena will definitely be referred to. <laughs> uh, Bob Plank said, the city doesn't even deserve a franchise with all their drugs, homelessness, tax- taxes, protesters. Uh, call them the Seattle anarchists. Uh, so he's not a fan of the city or the the uh, the franchise. Uh, JP Lordy says, "Welcome to the crack house." Um, <laughs> it, it goes on and on. Uh, Scott Tenerick says, "We're already calling them the crackheads." Um, some some like the the logo, some like the jerseys, but uh, it appears that um, like Scott Fisher says, "Nice name, terrible logo." Uh, there's 
also the the opposite nice logo uh, terrible name <laughs> uh, so it, there's no shortage of opinions uh the nice part and steve trumbull uh sent a picture of the uh another uh team that was in teal and that is the california golden seals and and wow those uh those jerseys uh were were something to behold yeah they uh i mean I would say that they've they've not aged well, but I feel like there's a type of NHL fan that just really loves those jerseys. I feel like there's there's got to be you'd have to imagine there's someone in that loves those jerseys. Uh, <laughs> like wasn't there's Tom, wasn't uh, Tom Hanks a fan of the California Golden yeah, Seals? He was, <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, just oh, as man. there's big fans for the Hartford Whalers jerseys, yeah, uh, those are big sellers. Those are those are magnificent. Mm-hmm. I have to say those are those are beautiful. I love it when the when the Hurricanes bring those back. Um, but Rick, uh, we should say that, I mean, you can keep those responses coming if you feel so inclined on the Seattle Kraken, but also the question of the week, which we won't, we won't get into specific answers that are on Twitter, Facebook, but keep those answers coming in all the same, because it's an interesting question about, I mean, if you want Nick Suzuki, do you want him playing center? Do you want your Kaniemi playing center? Where does that leave Max Domi? Does that leave him on the wing on one of those lines or... If, if, you know, Claude Julian is about not numbering his lines, it gives him a very good line that he has that is probably the fourth line, but he won't say is the fourth line. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it, it's a really, it's an interesting question. So keep your responses coming to that as well as your reaction uh, to the Seattle Kraken. Um, and of course you can reply at Habs Connection, at Joela19, at All Habs, whichever you so choose. There's the tweet from the Habs Connection, the Canadians Connection Twitter account at Habs Connection, and of course the All Habs fan page on Facebook. Uh, so Rick, we will, uh, I guess we'll say goodbye here for mm-hmm. another week here on the Canadians Connection podcast. Before we go, I just reviewed the social media handles you can reach us at, at Joela19, at All Habs, at Habs Connection. Uh, you can listen to this podcast as well as the Press Zone. You just have to search for those podcasts on all your favorite podcast platforms, whichever one you choose, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, whichever one. You have to search for them individually now is is a little bit of a difference from before Mm -hmm. with the Rocket Sports Radio podcast. You look for Canadians Connection. You look for the Press Zone on either one of those. You hit that subscribe button. And you get all of our podcasts going forward here from the rate of the uh, Rocket Sports Radio family of podcasts hosted and produced by credential journalists. Uh, so, Rick, we'll say goodbye for another week here on the Canadians Connection podcast. And we'll thank our listeners. And we'll be back, we'll be back next week. And next week is going to be a fun one because game we're going to have the exhibition game to talk about from uh well the 28th is when that is going to be happening so we can review that a little bit and then tee up as you said game day nhl will be back we'll be discussing all of that next week so until then thank you for tuning into the canadians connection podcast here on rocket sports radio click subscribe so you never miss an episode of canadians connection visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the montreal canadians